What do you want to accomplish? Who do you want to be? What's holding you back? These are the questions we all wrestle with. But now it's time to finally put this existential crisis to rest and get to work on this episode of Leading to Fulfillment, the podcast where everything we talk about is meant to encourage people first leaders, empower individuals to achieve fulfillment, and to help your organizations become places people love to work. I'm your host, James Laws, and I have a great show in store for you. My guest for this episode is Nick Davies. Nick has 20 years of experience in leadership, mentoring, and consulting across five locations and three countries. He has an extensive business and corporate background via financial services, significant coaching training, and continuing learning with one of the biggest coaching organizations in the world, along with being Primal Health Coach Institute certified. In my conversation with Nick, we discussed the path to fulfillment and deciding like who you want to be, the fundamental challenges of preventing progress, results management versus time management, and how to start your day off to set yourself up for success. But first, I want to invite you to subscribe and leave a review for the Leading to Fulfillment podcast in your favorite podcast tool. We are literally all over the place. We're on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify. You can even watch us over on YouTube. And it's important to know that by leaving a review, by commenting, by sharing the show, it is the best way to make sure a larger audience gets to see the insights from my amazing guests. So I hope you will will share it with uh, everyone you know. Uh, Now, let's jump into my conversation with Nick Davies. Nick, thank you so much for joining me today on the Leading to Fulfillment podcast. Thank you. I appreciate the invite. I'm excited to be here. Uh, you know, just so that everybody can get an idea of who you are, uh, what could you give us a little bit about your background, where you kind of started from, and what brought you to where you are today, and why you are passionate about the things that you're passionate about today? Thank you. Great question. Where do I start? Is it how much of a nutshell would you want it in? How big do you want it? <laughs> well, I grew up in England, as you can probably hear. Everyone can hear that and notice that. It's like something that's that follows me everywhere. It's, a, it's just an interesting thing and I guess, real, real part of me. And uh, I grew up what, straight out of high school, worked in big banks for 20 years all over the world. And I ran big teams and small teams. And people always fascinated me. And about 12 years ago, I kind of was living in the Philippines. And I was on this journey of like, what do I want to be, be when I grow up? And I started thinking about what happiness is. And I got into personal development and went down that road and got moved to the States and uh, worked for some other banks and finally said, look, ha- like I want to, do something that I want to get to, something that I actually am passionate about. And the big distinction I'll share, James, here is that for me, I was always thinking about finding the thing that you're supposed to do. And that just didn't sit well until I found a tweak and I don't know where I read it or heard it, but it was a start creating the person that you want to be. And that was a different changer for me. And I thought, okay, what do I like doing that I've done in the last 20 years? And it was people. How do I help people? I was coaching mental people what I did. And, and so uh, six, seven years ago now, I started going the rope of being, being a coach. I was a coach for Tony Robbins for a number of years, and I've been a pro-advisor coach for a long time now. And I work with people that are already successful and want more success because they know that there's so much out there and they're willing to go to the next level. And that's what gets me passionate. I get passionate about people getting passionate about the things that they love to do, and uh, that's who I work with. And it's fantastic when we can bring that together and get some juice going. 
Well, I think that's awesome. I think there's there's a there's a lot of stuff for us to talk about here because I'm also yeah. passionate about that. And my focus comes from almost a I think the other side of the coin. You know, I. I have a successful business. I have a great team. Uh, I love I love working with the people that I work with, and I love starting new projects and new businesses. Uh, in fact, this podcast is kind of part of a new venture that we're starting. But one of the things I came to is, yeah, I want to be successful. I want to have the flexibility. I want to live the life that I dr- always that I dream of living. And sometimes that requires me to experiment and experience life in different ways, so I can find out what am I missing and what do I actually want out of my life. But at the core of it, I started to realize like the people that I hire, the people that work for me, they want those exact same things. And not all of them are meant to go out and start their own thing and, you know, build their own business and start to, some of them are, and some of them will leave me and go do that. And I am 100% prepared and excited for when that day comes. But some of them actually just want to work for something that they believe in and that they care about. And it's my job as a leader to help fashion that journey for them, help them discover what fulfillment looks like for them and get them there. And you talked about this and I want to kind of dive into this a little bit further. This idea of not just discovering, uh, you know, or, uh, you know, but actually deciding the person you want to be and then making conscious decisions to actually be that and and to discover that. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I liken it to that old saying, you know, trying to find a needle in a haystack. And people would say that because it's something troublesome to find. Well, I'll say that, well, at least you know what you're looking for. So when you're trying to find the person you're supposed to be you find the thing that juices you or gets you excited it's like come on like that's it seems too unachievable but if you can say okay well i get to create i get to decide for me that opened up the whole realm of possibilities right it's like it's not you've got to go into the realms of what you're supposed to do or what you know it's like you you get to write your own story and and i think about sitting in a in a in a theater and, and watching a movie on the screen and and people uh, looking at the hero in that movie and thinking wow like that's so cool to watch the hero's journey and most people would prefer to sit in the cinema seat and watch rather than being the hero in their own life and yeah. uh, that's that's what gets me juiced up to help people figure out that they can be the hero in their own life and to your point james it doesn't mean they've got to go create and change the world and everything in the world but it's whatever their specific version of that is. Yeah. I uh, know. I think it's important. I, I've said this a number of times. I ask three questions of, of my teams professionally to determine whether they're in that right role or whether we need some shaping, whether there's some changing mm-hmm. that needs to happen. And those, those three questions ultimately are, you know, do I love what I'm doing? Do I believe what I do matters? And can I see the impact that I'm having on those things? And and what I do is in, in doing that, I ask that question because if what ultimately, if somebody's answering that question, they're like, you know what? I believe what I do matters and I can see the impact that I'm having. But honestly, no, I don't love it. I don't, I don't enjoy it. I'm not, I'm not. All right. We got some tweaking to do. You're in the right, you've got, you've got the right purpose. You're making progress, but man, how do we get you the passion? How do we figure out what is the thing that'll give you the passion? We, we only have to, we only have to move one of those dials now, but if you're void of all three, you're on that discovery. You, you talked about the needle in the haystack, but at least you know uh, what the needle looks like, right? It, I talk the other way. It feels kind of like an existential crisis in a haystack, right? Like, what does that look like? How do I define what this thing is to decide this is who I want to be? And, and a lot of that comes from, 
experimentation. Some of it just comes out as a trying things, right? Uh, you know, that's what we, as we raise kids, we want to give them a lot of experiences so that they can determine what they do find passion in, what they do see purpose in, how they, where they can make progress in. Because all of those are the motivational drivers that help us find ultimate fulfillment. One of those that I talk about a lot is progress, right? And you talk a lot about product, productivity and progress as we're trying to, in this journey of discovering who we are and finding productivity. I want to ask you, what do you think are some of the fundamental problems or struggles that keep many of us being really busy like we're really active, but we're not actually making progress. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't mistake activity for progress, right? It's like, it's a big, big thing. And I love what you said, because I believe that progress equals happiness. When you're moving forward and feel like things are happening, that's the best, regardless of where you are in your journey right? and everything's contrast, context and scale. So you can look at that in the, in the whole part of your life or just that moment. It's long as you're moving forward, you get it right. But I think, to, to answer your question, what are the things that hold us up, right? I, it's, I think a lot of people that are successful, and you mentioned children raising, raising children as well. I certainly got this message. I, 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 my, my bet is that you got this as well, is that work hard. Work hard and you'll be successful. And I think that is good advice because at that point in our lives where it's a case of it's either you work hard or you're lazy. And so yeah. we want to push to the work hard part, which I think is really helpful. And when you start getting successful, that quickly runs out. Because work hard means do everything. Do everything. And if there's more that comes at you, do more. <laughs> Focus <laughs> harder. Do And you can't. You run out. And so that busyness is what runs our lives or can do if we're not careful. Uh, in my prior career, I remember... Uh, as a point where I was running, uh, I had four teams, weren't too many people, it was about 30 people. And I, I would I would joke because I remember getting to work at like seven in the morning, I'd be on meetings, on calls and in rooms, and I'd, I'd be back to back to five o'clock and I'd go back to my desk and I'd judge myself like I'm about to start work for the day. Right? So you've got to focus on what's most important. And so it's so easy to get into the fog of life of that business. So you need to know where you're going. So I, I love your questions. And I actually call it, um, so So what I think if I got it right, it's like, do you love what you do? Do you believe it matters? And are you seeing an impact? And yeah. I, 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 I call it three, in, I call it the, the triple P. Uh, so it's, it's, it's passion, purpose, profit. Do you love what you do? Are you damn good at it? And does it drive your economic engine? So those three things together. So I think that's kind of the antidote to some of that busyness and it's just to check in and snap the chalk line and say, hold on a second. Are you in the fog of your life or are you actually doing things to allow you to move towards where you want to go? And so, and so from a coaching perspective, it's, I mean, from a leadership perspective, same thing. You hear your team, you hear people saying, I can't, I'm too busy. Or uh, something else is doing this or someone's not doing that. Then you know that they're in that place of like the tyranny of the urgent where they're just moving from one thing to another. I think it's addictive as well, James, right? Because when you first start, it's kind of cool to start to do things and start to see results. And people go, hey, I want your time, James. Can I have your time? And you're like, cool. Like, I get where they want me. I'm needed. And you get there's a there's a, there's a addictive quality to it because it's an adrenaline rush as well. It's like bang here, bang there. Like, it's that's really cool. Takes me back to working on the trading floors where, you know, your name's getting shouted out across the floor and you're running over here, you're running over there and like you're booking the train, you're doing something. And so all of that stuff comes together, but I think it, it runs out. So I think there's two stories. Once you get to a level of success, work hard is no longer good advice. 
it needs to be zoomed out and you see more of the picture and it's actually what do you want the most and it, the and that's why you see stories of people that are billionaire leaders all they do is spend their time saying no avoiding making decisions to only make the ones that are most important i i, I really i love this because it, it's it, it mirrors a lot of some sometimes the advice that i give many people is sometimes to go faster you have to slow down sometimes you have to step back assess the situation and determine where you're ultimately going. And I, so I love this idea. It's, it's funny. It mirrors a little bit, even this podcast, this podcast is super new. I've, you know, I'm recording way ahead right now, but like we only released episode seven on Friday and you know, you know, we're going to release episode eight. As you listen to this, that's a long time ago like that. <laughs> right. But what happened was, is I started getting this podcast going and it started taking up more and more of my time. And I was doing, I was planning on an episode every week and you got a message from me early on where I was like, I'm slowing, I'm, I'm stepping back. I'm slowing this down a little bit. I'm going to move this to a buy, you know, buy monthly Everyone, you know, one, every two weeks, we're going to slow this down a little bit because I realized I was being super active, super busy, and more people were demanding of my time. And it wasn't, I want something different from this podcast in the long run. And yeah. just being busy wasn't going to get me there. And so I had to kind of step back. Uh, so I, I love that, that approach of just saying, hey, let's, let's step back. Let's determine what we actually, what's actually important. Uh, that's why I always recommend the book Essentialism. If, if you haven't read the book, I highly recommend it. I, I guarantee, yeah, I guarantee it's on your shelf, right? One of the one of my favorite books. It's a book I read two times every single year because it is just. I just need to be reminded, right, mm-hmm. of what's essential, what's important, and how do I get rid of all the non-essential things in my life. Uh, and so I think that's a super powerful thing. As we're talking about teams, though. As we're talking, you know, it's great for the the business owner. It's great for the leader. It's great for the high achiever and the successful person. Like, hey, how do we how do we build progress? How do we how do we make more progress? But as a leader with a team of people who you also want to make progress, and they want to make progress, right? Like, nobody goes and works for a job because they want to stand still. Like, they want to actually achieve something and they want to gain ground. How do you? How do we empower our teams to create real progress? What are some tips in helping them find real progress in the midst of the whirlwind of work that happens every single day? I got to say, essentialism, I didn't read it till last year, but it was one of my favorite books of last year. And I, I showed you that copy. I had 10 copies I bought. I, I've been giving them away to, to clients yeah. of mine. I took five copies to see a client a couple of months ago. So, yeah, I love it. I love the premise of that book. And I, I'll, I'll preface that and answer your question because I think that it's you know, slow is smooth and smooth is fast. We've got to slow down to move faster. And and in order to start, we do want the action first. And so like that's the art of it. I think that's part. Because if we slow down before we start, we've got nothing to slow down. So I want to lean towards the action. And when you start to see something, then then go, okay, what actually am I doing here? Take, take that second to pause. I think that comes back to the awareness of being able to empower people to make real progress in the teams, like you just said. It starts with the the entry point. You said people don't want to show up to achieve something, nothing. And and in my corporate experience, there was actually a lot of people there that were just there because they thought they should be, mm-hmm. or it was the right thing to do, or it paid well. And there's nothing wrong with those things, no judgment. But I think that conversation at the start is so important. The traditional way that we hire people. And I, it sounds like this is not how you do it. And, and I'm sure like there's a lot of entrepreneurs out there doing it this way anyway. But it's so important to think about it's not 
like look at resume if you've got the right experience let's come in it's like okay where do you want to go this is where we're going and does this fit in with where you want to go do you know and it might not be that they do if they're depending on where they are on their journey but can you get on board with what this is for you and having that entry point as solid as possible and as real and as honest as possible if they're a good fit or not can you see and um good to great right i love the analogy of getting the right people on the bus because if your business is the bus you want to have the right people you want to have the right people in the right seats but mostly you want to have the right people on the bus to know that look are you okay with going on this journey because we don't know exactly what it's going to look like and there's going to be bumps and sometimes we're going to ask you to get out and push but are you okay with doing those things because the destination is something that you believe in. And I think that's the starting point. And that's where we always got to come back to whenever, I, whenever people aren't going in the direction they want to, or it doesn't feel good, we've got to snap it and come back and say, are we still aligned? And that's the number one question to always come back to, because we can float around, right? We can float around like it's flying from one side of the country to the other side of the country. If you're, if that autopilot isn't constantly on and checking in where we're going, you could bounce up between, you know, one minute you're in Canada, next minute you're in Mexico. It's like you're full out the sky, run out of fuel. You've got to know where you're going. And so I think that's what's really important as a start point. And then once you've got that, and then you've got to say, what's the real next milestone? And then it's 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 101 in terms of like finding a map to where you're going, right? It's like you've got to know where you are and you've got to know where you're going. And once you've got that, and it's the certainty to know that like it's really convicted, are you really clear about it? people will naturally make progress. Why? Because they feel like they own the outcomes. And I think oftentimes when I have clients come in and ask me, they go, oh, I want accountability. Accountability is a big thing. Absolutely is. But I think it's low level in terms of the level, in terms of the real success we're playing at. Because accountability, really engagement's better. It's co-creation. But what even better than that is ownership. And you don't have to be the owner to think like in ownership terms. Once you do that, then the empowerment in the process is always there, or at least that's the baseline for it. And it's just a case of checking in, checking in. Uh, yeah. And, you know, you talked about the hiring, you know, hiring practices and changing kind of our mindset of hiring. And this is one of the things I, I coach people. and I tell people all the time when they're hiring for their team is you're hiring a person, not a position. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. It's it's not the role. Don't worry about the role. You hire the person and you're going to shape the role. You know, I, we talk about it as small businesses. Like we're job creators. We're job creators. Well, then create a job. Right. Create the job for the person. Don't find a person for the job that you already have created. Like, yeah, there's going to be some crossover there. But ultimately, you're hiring a person. And that means you're hiring their professional experiences. You're hiring their uh, their their how they grew up, where they grew up. You're hiring their personal, you know, the personal experiences, the professional experiences. It's a whole package. And you're looking for whole people to be a part of your organization, not somebody who's just going to come earn a paycheck and live their life separate from your company. You want, you want to integrate that a little bit. Uh, And so that's my goal is not work-life balance. For instance, I don't, I think work-life balance is a scam. Nobody wants to balance work and life. I don't want these things to be equal. I'm not looking to be like, yeah, I want to spend 50% of my time working and 50% of my time living. I want to live 100% of the time. And part of my life is my professional uh, job. It's the thing that I do, my vocation, the thing that like gets me kind of excited to, to learn and grow and expand my knowledge. And so I want to integrate work into my life. I don't want to balance them at all. Now, in the midst of this, we've talked about progress. We've talked about helping our teams find progress, shaping roles and hiring people, not positions and getting them into our organizations. And yet, 
Yeah, we know. In the midst of this, like you said, you want activity. You start with activity in, in many ways. You start with action because it's through the action you're going to start to weed out what is the courses we should be taking. Yeah. But then ultimately, you find organizations that just kind of get caught up in the inertia of activity. They need to figure out how to manage all of the activity and how to manage their time and how to get the most important things done and to schedule. I'd love to hear what is your approach to time management in in both for the high level, right, as, as a leader, right down to how do you help your teams manage time? Yeah, it's, it's, it's so cool because all of these things are so intertwined, right? It's like one is goes to the next, goes to the next, and it's like Absolutely. it's a – it's a it's a picture like a tapestry like a puzzle when you there's no well, what does the puzzle look like it's like well what do you want it to look like but here's some tools you can get to I reminds me of a story I often share James is when I lived in the Philippines and I was working for a big bank there and it was a new location so there was lots of people training uh, in in management leadership type skills and and I just I was I was had lots of time on my hands because we were and I was just going to all of the things I could go to and I remember after two days in this short little course thing i remember asking the facilitator hey as a leader or a manager i probably said it at the time as a manager how do i know i've got all the tools in my tool belt and of course he couldn't answer me because it's a terrible question there's no good there's no real answer for that it's like well it depends where you want to go in any given time it's like i think as leaders as we grow we, we fill out i feel like our tool tool belts and we put them in the closet and then we put a new belt on and fill that one up as well and go back to the closet it's like oh i forgot about there's six others here of tools there's it's uh, it's absolutely abundant the amount of tools that are available right so it's, it's about like where do you want where do you want to go right and so the approach to time management is in the same 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 vein as that it's what's most important you know, have we defined what your outcome is because you you can't, how can you possibly have a plan for your day if you haven't got a plan for your life or at least in the plan for your business if you're just looking at it in that sense the the plan for the year or the outcomes you want to get to so i think time management itself perhaps a bit of a fallacy it's activity. We want to be a results manager, not a time manager. And so one will fit into the others. Like you and I both know, James, if something matters enough, you'll get it done. Right? Right. We only get what we must get. And if you're not doing it and the excuse or the story is, I haven't got enough time, it's obviously not important enough. It's like there's things yeah. that you do every day in your life that you do over and over and over. It's like, do, do you, <laughs> it's like you find the time to go to the bathroom every day, right? It's a must. <laughs> right. if it's important enough you'll find a way and when you're committed you find a way so I, I think by looking at it in time management I, look, I think there's some good strategies some tools around it for sure but i think if we think about it in terms of how do i manage time and we're not necessarily thinking about a shortcut of where we're going it should be what result am i looking to get and that, and that for me it doesn't matter whether you're ceo or your entry level just come in just come in the door it's it's thinking about what am I trying to get to? What's the result? And, and incidentally, that's how you get to thinking like an owner, owner anyway. So the the job description or the, and as you said, absolutely perfect, right? You want to hire the person for the, oh, oh, do you feel like you want to come on this journey with us? Does it fit yeah. with where you want to go rather than do the role? And then the extension of that is also, you define what it is. This is the outcome we need to get for the company. Where do you think you can input into that? What do you want to put yourself on the hook for? And what are the things that you're going to do every day or every week to stand your best chance of getting that? And then as you hit those things, as you hit the seeds that you are planting, then you're going to get paid based on the seeds that you plant. 
and the outcomes that you get, not on the time you spend anywhere. So I, I, I think it's useful to think about it overall, but it's easy to get lost in that, I believe. No, I, I think you're, you're right. You're spot on with that in that, right? Like it doesn't, your, your time management techniques doesn't ultimately matter if you haven't actually determined the right activities for which to, to put into your schedule. So let me yeah. ask the question this way. How does, how does Nick start his day? When you start your work day and you start thinking about what you want to accomplish, how do you start your day to set yourself up for success for the coming day? Oh, I'm so excited for that. Why? Because I just got back from uh, two weeks on vacation in England and we were there an extra week than we expected because we got hit with some COVID positive tests. So that was an interesting experience. Uh, so, so a bit uncomfortable. Great. Cause we get to learn, right? We get to grow and do that. Um, so this morning it was so nice to get back to my regular schedule programming, if you will. And so the, my boot up routine in the morning oscillates around a little bit, but what it looks like right now is a 4.30 wake up, some immediate stretching, um, immediately go in the AirPods and I'm listening to a book or a podcast and something to prime the morning version of me. Because I think like as adults, we're like kids in the morning, like sponges, whatever goes in first, like it propagates throughout the day. And you're always chasing after it if it's not the right thing. So that's for me. And then I was in the gym by five o'clock. Uh, it was a legs workout this morning. I stroked back. And my first thing after that was to do some journaling, whatever's on my mind. And it's really small for me, not a big deal. Uh, meditation, didn't do that this morning. And my daughter and my wife were both up when I got back at six o'clock. <laughs> Just like, what are you doing up? This is my time in the morning. Right? But that flexibility is key, right? So I was there. I did. I went actually back upstairs to, to, about my, to my office here. And I finished up my planning for the day, which was a lot of recalibrating from last week. So I'd taken down all the notes of like just getting out of my head and then go, what's the most important things for today? I know I've got fantastic podcasts to do today I'm excited about. I have five or six clients to work with. I've got some team stuff to do. Um, and I'm recording an episode of my own podcast. And so what's the most important things that I need to get done? And usually it's three things. Usually it's three things and doesn't mean I won't do other things well, but I've got to know what's most important for that day. Back to the essentialism concept again, of course, and knowing what that looks like. And that's what that's what my boot up, boot up routine is about for me. Um, and then there's some health stuff around that as well in terms of fasting. And and so there, there's that's what it looks like in order to boot up. I've got to know what success looks like before I start the day uh, in order to be to be successful. Otherwise, like life is going to take you in a, on a on a journey where you where it wants to take you. That's true. If you don't fill your schedule with what's important, someone else will fill it up with what's not. And uh, that's, that's just a fact of life. I love your routine. I, you know, I, I have a similar one and I think it's interesting because everyone's different and, and Nick's routine may not work for you. And my routine may not work for you. You have to find what gets you energized and what, but I will say more commonly than not, what I hear from people who are who are successful, who are driven, who are trying to accomplish, you know, big things, the routine sounds very similar, right? It's a it's an early wake up. It's yep. a it's some sort of exercise, something to get the blood flowing. It's some some sort of it's a, it's a reading a book. It's listening to a podcast. It's something to stimulate the thing that you want to accomplish for the day, right? It's a little bit of meditative practice, some journaling, some something to kind of empty your thoughts and ideas. And it's a little bit of an assessment, right? What went well yesterday? 
what's going, uh, what do I want to accomplish today? What are my three big rocks? What are my, whatever, whatever model you use. Uh, and so I love that there's a, there is a routine that is commonly used among, among certain types of people. You might try adopting it. If you don't have a morning routine, borrow one like that, go for it, try it out, see how it fits. Feel it for a week and see if it if it actually gets you moving a little bit better. And if it doesn't, start tweaking, make some changes and make some adjustments. You'll figure it out. You just got to keep going at it. And I really appreciate that. One of my, I always say, I, I've actually kind of I keep backtracking. It's kind of funny how it goes further and further back. I said, you want to set your day up for success, fix your morning routine. And then I started to say, you want to really have a great morning routine, fix the night before, get to bed at a decent time, unload some of that stuff. Journal then. Sometimes yeah, I, instead of journaling in the morning, I actually dump it the night before so it's waiting for me when I'm ready to assess my day. So figure out what works for you and set yourself up for success. I think that is an extremely powerful thing. Uh, there are a lot of people, though, who hear this and, and maybe they're like, man, I'm really having a struggle finding that motivation. I'm really trying to, I'm having a hard time kind of figuring that out what are do you have some tips some some strategies some ideas you might give somebody to help them perhaps find or spark that daily motivation or to even attempt that morning routine or to or to tweak that yeah yeah just about a million things james you know because like because <laughs> like I, I don't think that i often say to people i i know i can help anyone uh, at any time any subject any 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 location whatever it is not because I'm so great, because it's about the same principles and concepts. And the tools and the application of those, like there's a million different variations of those. So it's always fun to play with because there's no limit in the amount of ways you can play. There's an absolute abundance of resources and a way to get to your outcomes. And the difference is, are you in a resourceful place to go access some of those things? Right. And, and so for a, in a morning morning routine example, it's like you said, it's figure it out because your James's one won't, won't work for you necessarily or my one won't work for you. It's whatever whatever you need. And, and so if you're looking for, if, if you're thinking of it like that, oh, it has to be this, otherwise it doesn't work, oh, it doesn't work for me, then you're going to always run, always run into roadblocks. And so I, I like, even if something works for you, it, it might not work, it might work great for a year, then it might not work at all. So I like to think about having variations, having always somewhere to go. So I like to have a morning routine where you get like the luxury version, you get the medium version, and you get like the minimum effective dose version. Like three, have three ways to go, right? The, the, the hour and a half luxury one is like, wow, I get like the whole thing. And then, uh, you know, the, the minimum effective dose is, I guess, do some jump rope or some burpees and I'm good to go. Just get the hell out, get going. But I think that the, <laughs> <laughs> for the motivation, you've got to keep it small. You've got to keep it as small as possible. It, reduce it to the ridiculous. And if uh, here's the thing. When you're looking at something and you think, well, that's easy. I can do that. That seems small. And then you're not. That's your evidence that it's still too big. Like what's actually happening? You're like, oh, I can do that. I can definitely do that. And then you don't do it. It's like, well, what's the disconnect? It's like, it's still too big. Make it smaller, 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 smaller. Reduce it to the ridiculous. Start with something that's so ridiculously small. It's like, well, of course I can damn well do that. Start there and build. And wherever you get stuck, wherever it stops progressing, go back, make it smaller again. Right, it's the consistency of that which is massively impactful. Don't, I mean, the, the classic here, James. I'm home. I'm sure you've uh, used a version of this and shown a million times. Is you know, New Year's resolutions, and people get so motivated and pumped up and juiced and energized about 
going into the year and changing their health, let's say. I'm going to work out seven days a week. I'm going to do it for the whole year. No doubt, I'm going to do it. And the danger is that in that moment, they are convinced. That's a dangerous part because they go forward and they're convinced and then maybe they nail it for the first week. And then something happens, it just knocks them around a little bit and they miss one of the workouts. And then suddenly it all goes because you've just, you've set up a game which does not support your success. And then they start thinking, well, I must be me. Yeah. I must be the problem. I can't do it. That's not the type of person I am. Why has it always happened to me? And then the likelihood of them starting again diminishes. And every time, and that's where people go to a place which is the most scariest place in the world, they don't believe they can do anything that they want to do. And so I think it's we've got to start the other way and keep it small because overdoing it is also dangerous. And you want to build that personal integrity, right? You want to know that you can trust yourself to follow through, but you want to also be your own best friend. That's such a big thing as well. You've got to be able to look after yourself. You've got to have a high level. If you have a high level for delivery, you've got to have a high level com- for compassion as well. That starts with everyone as an individual. It's like, look, what, what, how are you supporting yourself to succeed? It's like you want to create a game that you can win. That's really, really small every time. It's like, who wants to play a game they can't win? It's like, but you got to keep score, but you got to keep it small. And then you can build yeah. on top of that. I think you're right. And right when you're trying to create new behaviors, when you're trying to create new habits, I love this idea. I love your idea, right? Start as small as you can. I'm a big I'm a big proponent of habit stacking, starting with the smallest possible habit and then reinforcing that habit with new habits once I have it unlocked. So I give this example all the time. If you want to stop drinking soda, don't just stop drinking soda. Maybe the first thing you start doing is drink a glass of water every day. That's not so hard. That's pretty easy. Drink a glass of water every day. Eventually, you can get to the point where you're saying, all right, I want to drink only one can of soda and I'm going to drink only water. And then you transition that over to the point where I'm just drinking water. Now you find out I don't like soda. I don't like the way it changes the taste of my food. I don't like the way that it, you know, I don't like all the sugar. I don't, whatever it is, right? You can make those changes by making those. It kind of reminds me, it's not in the same vein, but it's this idea of, I don't know if you've ever heard of the kind of the five why framework, right? When, when something goes wrong, when something's broken, you ask, well, all right, so sales have dropped. Well, why? Well, we're not getting as many people on the website. Why? Well, we're not writing as much content. Why? Well, because we're working on this other initiative. But why? And you you just keep asking that why till you get to the smart to the root, right? You get right to the root of the actual thing that actually has to change. The thing that actually is causing this knock-on effect all the way down to causing you to have less sales. It's true for your goals and your behaviors and your habits as well. If you ask that why all the way back, you find out where where is the core thing that needs to change? Start there. I love it. Ridiculously small. Get it as small as you possibly can and then build off of that. Nick, thank you so much for being on the Leading to Fulfillment podcast. I, I want to give you the last word. If there's something that I should have asked you that I didn't, if there's a last thoughts you want to give and how can people get in touch with you if they want to learn more about you? James, what a pleasure. Thank you. It's just, it's my, it really juices me up when I speak to people that are in a like-minded fashion. I think that we have a responsibility to share as much as we possibly can because look, uh, I, I don't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't assume to speak for you, but I certainly, from my point of view, there's nothing special about me, uh, but I do know that if you act on the principles and think about what's most important, you can create whatever you want to create. And so I believe we have a responsibility to share that with as many people as possible, because look, if you're thinking about, if you're watching this or you're listening to this and you're thinking, like, I'm trying to go into something that I'm, I'm concerned about, or I'm fearful about, and I'm not quite sure. It's like, you can 
You can. You absolutely can. There's not been a person that I've worked with a scene hasn't been able to amaze themselves with the resources they already have inside them. Uh, and and I, I just, it's just so important to think about that. And I just want to co- comment what you said about habit stacking. I think it's so important. And really the distinction that jumped out for me when you shared that is that, look, you can't stop doing things because you think about stopping doing things, you're creating a vacuum which needs to be filled. So forget about that and go to start something. To your point, absolutely entirely, go drink water. Drink more water. Drink so much damn water, there's no room for soda anyway. <laughs> and you're always thinking about how I'm increasing, creating and thinking about in abundance, about moving that away. Because people are always going to take the path of least resistance. So go towards something that you want. So I thank you very much for that. Uh, I'd love to share like my my newsletter with people. Um, I, 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 I send this out every week, which is just a, a few things that I'm thinking about and some things that are going on and just constantly sharpening the sword to move forward and keeping it real. You know, it's like it's we've got to be having real honest conversations. Most people play life on the surface because that's what most of life is. But in order to get to the success we want, you know, got to go deep, got to go deep for challenge yourself to that. It's just as hard to do that than it is to be mediocre. So why not go for the things you want? So that you can find that at achievers-mindset.com. Uh, just get a little email once a week in your inbox, achievers-mindset.com. Awesome. Nick, thank you again so much for being on the show. I've had a, I really enjoyed the conversation. Appreciate you, James. Thank you. I want to thank Nick for taking the time to be on the show and join me as we talk through the idea of cultivating a mindset of achievement. Everything we mentioned, including a full transcript of the show, is available over on my website at jameslaws.com. Also on my website, you can subscribe to my Leading Culture newsletter. There I send out weekly inspiration, insights, and frameworks to help you create a healthy company culture and be the best leader you can be. In this episode, we discussed how activity can be the enemy of progress. We encourage you to be a results manager instead of a time manager. Things like browsing social media instead of finishing an important financial report, uh, spending hours going through old files and emails instead of working on an important presentation that's due tomorrow, chatting with colleagues instead of prepping for this afternoon's meeting. These are these kind of activities are time wasters. They're, they're classic examples of procrastination, unnecessarily delaying tasks that need to get done. Not only is procrastination disruptive to goals and progress, but it also causes added stress and anxiety. Procrastination is one of the biggest pain points in business, especially for leaders who must manage procrastinators. If you have procrastinators on your team, it's probably difficult for both of you and perhaps the team at large, especially if they have to pick up the slack for their procrastinating coworker. Whether you're at your wit's end or you're just Recognizing the problem, take heart. There are several strategies for motivating procrastinators and getting progress back on track. But first, what I want to talk about is that it's important to understand why your team members procrastinate in the first place. Sometimes procrastination is simply the symptom of something else. Things like perfectionism or a lack of clarity or burnout or not receiving desired recognition. There are times when procrastination stems from larger, more complex issues like depression, anxiety, and ADHD. For example, um, they can all contribute to procrastination or challenges in an employee's personal life like losing a loved one or going through a divorce can increase the chances of procrastination. These challenges don't have a simple fix, but as a leader, the best thing you can do is offer understanding and support. Your company is important, but so are the people who propel it forward. The most successful organizations are the ones that humanize their team, understanding that sometimes life gets in the way of the work. 
but your workforce will be more sustainable if you work with them to resolve their challenges. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join me on the next episode. And until then, may your businesses be successful as you lead your teams to fulfillment.